Three of the most important things we have are relationships, time, and money. One of the greatest challenges with these things are that they're limited. So we better be wise. But they're not really ours. We're not owners, just stewards. What we've been given belongs to someone else, the God of the universe. Since he's the infinite source, really, our relationships, time, and money are unlimited. So we better be generous. If everything we have is limited, how do we live wisely? If everything we have is unlimited, how do we live generously? Join Vintage Church for this four-week series to learn the secret. We're in our series called Unlimited, where we're looking at different areas of our life, different things we have that may appear limited to us, but God can take them and use them for unlimited purposes. And so today we're going to talk about uh, our time from James chapter 4, our time. Uh, Let me ask you a question. Have you ever said this? I need more time. The answer is probably yes. Time is a struggle for all of us. We all have the same amount of time in a day, 24 hours in a day, seven days a week. We struggle with making the most of our time, being thankful for the time we have, managing our time, turning things in on time, getting things done on time, and even feel like we're running out of time. And so what I want to do in this message is look at a biblical perspective of the time we've been given, the days we've been given how we take this time and how we steward it the way that God God wants us to steward it for unlimited eternal purposes. James chapter 4 verses 13 through 17 says this. Come now, you who say today or tomorrow we will go into such and such a town and spend a year there and trade and make a profit. You do not know what tomorrow will bring. What is your life? You are a mist that appears for a little time and then vanishes. So instead, you should say, if the Lord wills, we will live and do this and do that. And as it is, you boast in your arrogance. All such boasting is evil. Whoever knows the right thing to do, yet fails to do it for him it is sin. So these verses talk about how to spend your time, how to look at the time you have each day you've been given, the present, the future, and how to steward that for God's kingdom. Uh, James, the brother of Jesus, he is writing to a group of wealthy Jewish Christians. The book of James is, is an awesome book. It's so practical. Um, it's, it's about not just being a hearer of the word, but being a doer of the word. And these Christians that he's writing to are dispersed in house churches uh, outside of Palestine. And they're wealthy and they're Jewish Christians and they have a lot of money and they work a lot and they stay productive. And so James is speaking directly into their context of how they spend their time and what they prioritize. And really, uh, really what he's getting at is the idea that they are taking control, taking too much control of how they spend their time. And so what I want to do just off these several verses here is give you two principles 
on how we can steward our limited time for unlimited purposes. Number one is this. Make your plans with open hands. Make your plans with open hands. Verses 13 through 15. Come now, you who say, today or tomorrow we will go into such and such a town, spend a year there, and make a profit. You do not know what tomorrow will bring. And this, this question here is really, it's kind of like a hit in the face from James. He says, what is your life? You're a mist. You appear for just a little time and then you vanish. Instead, you should say, if the Lord wills, we'll do this and that. So, you know, remember, this is wealthy Jewish Christians that every day they wake up, they go, they trade, they make a profit. They do what they do to make a living, and they make a lot of money. And because they make a lot of money, there's this temptation to make more money and to be more productive and to continue to rise and rise and rise in that way. Now, James is not saying that being wealthy is a sin. He's not saying that because they make a lot of money, something is wrong. That's not at all what he's getting at. What he's getting at is the heart, where they place their wealth, where they place their time how they prioritize their productivity. And so he is confronting the reality that they put making money and being productive on the forefront of their focus and their planning. And this goes back to wanting control, to looking at each day you've been given and controlling it so that you feel like you have the power. Another thing they were doing is they were neglecting the poor. We know that the Bible teaches that Christians are to serve the least of these, meet those needs, and they were not doing that. And so planning, investing, and goal setting, and all these things, that is not wrong. That is a good thing. But doing it with closed hands is wrong as a Christian. When we try to live like we're in control, what we're doing is we're boasting in our self-confidence and the power we think we have and not in the power and dependence on God. The NIV application commentary says this about these verses. For James, the real question is how to approach life when the outcome is uncertain. His answer is to trust God's graciousness, not in human plans. The making of plans as though the future is certain is a sin. Because functionally, it's a denial of God, his importance, or even his very existence. And then to boast about it is a further sin. So James says that their life is like a mist. It, I mean, you see a mist, right? We finally are getting a little bit of rain this summer. A raindrop comes down and immediately hits the ground and it's gone. It's a quick thing, right? You see a mist, it's there for a second, and then it vanishes. And this reminds us that although our life is so valuable, we are not the creator. We are not the one that makes it rain, right? We are not the one that brings life. We are not the one that keeps the world spinning and keeps everything in perfect motion. That is God. So because of that, we would be wise to yield our planning and time to God's will over our will. I think this is summed up in two ways. Make your plans with open hands. Number one, throughout your day. We all have a routine. We all have things we do. We wake up, we go to work, we go to school, we run errands, we do things around the house. These are things that we have to get done. The question you need to ask yourself is, as you go throughout your day, are you doing it with open hands? Being open to God wanting to interrupt your day and use the daily things for some kind of greater purpose. 
and maybe even adjust your day. Secondly, are you doing that as you look to the future? We all struggle with the future. It's unknown. It's uncertain. And when I try to live my life with closed hands, I get anxious and stressed. When I try to open my hands to God, His peace fills me. You know, many of us complain about the lack of time we think we may have. We're going to talk about this in a minute, but we fail to recognize that time is actually a gift from God. He gives us time. And when we complain about the lack of time we have, there's probably two things happening. Number one, we're just not grateful for that time. We're always thinking about how we could have had more time or how the time could have been different, right? Or we're just not stewarding our time well. So I want you to think about that in your life. Where do you maybe land in those struggles? Make your plans with open hands. Number two, the second thing, the first point was really about sort of your your practical living. Number two is about your motive, your why. And so number two is we need to resist an arrogant motive. We need to resist an arrogant motive. The, the text gets more now to where's your heart? A little bit deeper into that, right? Uh, look at the, the, the last few verses, 16 and 17. James says, as it is, in other words, this is what you're doing, you boast in your arrogance. All such boasting is evil. Whoever knows the right thing to do yet fails to do it. For him, it's a sin. So what James is getting at now is saying, look, you are Christ you're a Christian. And because you're a Christian, you should avoid arrogance. Because you didn't save yourself. You have a sin problem that needed to be fixed and needs to be fixed by Jesus. Jesus is perfect. We're not. And so we need to resist arrogance, and we need to be humble before God with our time and planning. Arrogance is defined as this, making plans or pretensions to superior importance or rights, overbearingly assuming, incidentally proud. Maybe you feel entitled. You feel proud. Well, when we place arrogance at the center of how we spend our time, we're doing the opposite of what God desires us to do. James says, if you know that you shouldn't do this and you do it, it's a sin. In other words, as Christians, we have the Holy Spirit. We know conviction of sin. And we often resist that and we still sin anyways. And then we come back to God and thank Him for His grace and we try to get reoriented back on track. But it doesn't mean we don't struggle with sin because we have the Holy Spirit. So when we intentionally live in an arrogant way, though, we should know better. This is called sins of omission, not doing what pleases God when we know better. And so because we should know better, we would be wise to take a step back and say, God, please help me to not be arrogant with my time. Think about a movie. Maybe a movie or, or a TV show that you just, one of your favorites. Uh, in any movie, in any TV show, there's a main character. Or there's maybe one or two or three. They are the main scene, the main plot. Everything is centered around their life, their situation. But in the background, you have secondary characters. Okay? They matter. They play a part in bringing the main character's story more to life. And then you have people in the backdrop. Some of you may have been extras before for a movie or a scene or anything like that. 
And those things matter too because it sets the environment for things to look like it's real life. In life, we often think that we are the main character. And everybody else is either secondary or the backdrop. But what God shows us and what we should be reminded of when we resist arrogance is that God is the main character. We're secondary. We're the backdrop. We matter. We have a part to play in God's bigger story. But the time that we've been given is God's time to us. And so when we yield that for His glory, His eternal purposes... We're resisting arrogance and using it for a greater purpose for his kingdom. God's the hero. God's the main character. We're not. Probably the greatest way to be reminded that we should not be arrogant with our time is that we're all going to die one day. Our days are limited. We are finite. Now the hope of the gospel is that although we'll experience physical death, We will not experience spiritual death. And then one day we'll be physically resurrected with Jesus. So that's the hope we have. But our life right now on this side of heaven is temporary. One day it's going to come to a close. And so because of that, we want to steward the days we've been given towards heaven, towards eternal purposes, knowing that God has a way of using everything in our earthly life for eternal purposes to impact other people. And to give him glory. Tim Keller, a author and pastor from New York City who recently passed away, wrote this. He wrote an article before his death called Growing My Faith in the Face of Death. And I thought it was very powerful that the closer he got to his death, the stronger his faith became. And this is just a quote from the article about him and his wife. It says, To our surprise and encouragement, Kathy and I have discovered that the less we attempt to make this world into a heaven, the more we're able to enjoy it. There's a healthy way to reflect on death. The gospel is the answer. Thankfulness that for the life we have is the answer. And knowing that God has a way of taking our limited time here and using it for unlimited purposes is the answer. Heaven is our home. But what we do now echoes into heaven. This makes our days more valuable and precious. So, make your plans with open hands. Resist an arrogant motive. Before we close, I want to give you three very quick thoughts of practical application. Because as you think about planning and your days and how to go about your day and how to look at the time you have. If you're anything like me, you're probably thinking a lot about the future. You're probably thinking about the the unknown of the future, the questions that you may have. Um, And and the text here in James is really, it's, it's really holistic, but it does speak to that. It speaks to the next day, the planning, and sort of this openness of what God wants to do in the future. But it's difficult. We get anxious, we get stressed, and we don't know what's coming. And so what I want to do is give you three quick things that that God's teaching me about how to live my life with open hands and give my future to Him and trust that He has a greater plan than I do. Number one, when you have the unknown of the future, I think this helps. Number one, this is all one thing. Pray, 
Seek wise counsel, dream, and plan. Pray, seek wise counsel, dream, and plan. Something that I try to do, keyword try, um, when I have a unknown in front of me is before I try to fix everything and get all involved in everything and freak out, I try to take a step back. And when I take a step back, what I try to do is just pray. I don't try to add prayer to the end and do all the things I can do and then pray. No, I want to take a step back and say, God, this is what I'm struggling with. This is what's coming. I don't know what's coming. Help me. And as I pray and I, and I lean into God and ask for his wisdom, I also seek wise counsel. I talk to people I trust. I talk to people that are walking with God, that are walking with the Holy Spirit, that can speak into my circumstances and my life. And then I dream and plan. I don't do nothing. God wants us to take initiative. We don't just sit back and wait for God to give us a burning bush. We actually do something. But God is the one that is leading the main effort. He is driving us as we move forward. And so I think packaging the unknown of the future, packaging it with, number one, seeking God's face. Number two, you being intentional. I think it goes a long way. In order to see God in your decisions, though, you have to make space to be with and hear from God. Some of us are too busy. We have no margin in our schedules to even open our Bibles or pray and even listen for God's voice. And we live in a culture that doesn't help that. And we do have busy lives. And some of that is very hard. But we have to figure out a way to create some type of a margin where we are one-on-one -on -one with God and that's it. So I want to encourage you. With your unknowns, pray, pray, seek wise counsel, dream, and plan. Number two, wait for clarity and peace. As you've done the seeking and the pressing into God and you've taken some initiative, God is going to nudge. The Holy Spirit is going to give you a sense of clarity and peace in a certain direction. He's either going to open a door or he's going to close a door. And you're going to sense a clarity, a, a clearness of mind, right? Your spirit is going to feel like God is doing something. And then you're going to have a peace. And so I encourage you, when, when that happens, pay attention to that. And if God's not in it, if He hasn't done that, do not do anything. Continue to wait on the Lord. And number three, uh, number three, after all of this, the last thing we need to do is we need to proceed with faith and confidence. Proceed with faith and confidence. Eventually, our faith is going to meet the unknown. And we're going to have to make a decision. Do we trust God? Will we choose faith over fear? And will we step into the unknown in faith and confidence, knowing that God is with us and God goes before us? So I want to read Proverbs 16, 1 through 3 and verse 9 to you as you just take all this in about Stewarding your time and your days and your life for God's purposes. I love this text. It speaks of the tension of us playing our part, yet God being the one in control. It says this, The plans of the heart belong to man, but the answer of the tongue is from the Lord. All the ways of a man are pure in his eyes, but the Lord weighs the Spirit. Commit your work to the Lord, 
and your plans will be established. The heart of man plans his way, but the Lord establishes his steps. Make your plans with open hands. Resist an arrogant motive. Use your limited time for God's unlimited purposes. How will you steward the time you've been given? If you don't know Jesus Christ, your first step is to give your life to Jesus. Repent of your sins and believe in the gospel. We'd love to hear from you. Just reach out, trust in Jesus, and allow him to now take your life and use it for his purposes and give you joy and peace. If you know Jesus, maybe the Holy Spirit has just given you a next step or somebody speaking to you. I want to encourage you to take, take a next step and do what God is leading you to do. But God can take the things that we may worry about, the unknowns, and if we give it to him, he'll do far more than we could ever imagine. Let's pray. God, we love you. Thank you for your word. Thank you for the peace that you give us. Thank you for the time we've been given. Help us, God, to steward our time, to use it for a greater purpose. Go before us. Help us to, 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 to give these things to you. Meet us there, God. And we love you. We pray this in Jesus' name. Thank you for joining the Vintage Church NOLA podcast. If you're enjoying this content, please subscribe wherever you listen to your podcasts. We'll see you next week.